Welcome to the Canadian SME Small Business Podcast, the go-to source for Canadian entrepreneurs and business leaders. Join us as we dive deep into the heart of Canada's business community, bringing you inspiring stories, cutting-edge insights, and practical advice from our nation's brightest minds in marketing, innovation, leadership, and tech. Whether you're launching a startup or scaling your enterprise, our mission is to empower your journey with wisdom that makes a difference. Let's grow together, right here, right now. Welcome to the Canadian SME Small Business Podcast. This is your host, SK. In every episode, we center our discussions around a crucial aspect of our communities, the heartbeat of our economy, small businesses. These enterprises are more than just commercial entities. They are the lifeline of local communities, driving innovation, creating jobs, and fostering economic growth. Supporting local businesses is not just about commerce. It's about nurturing the very fabric of our neighborhoods and ensuring a vibrant, diverse marketplace. Join us as we explore the diverse world of small businesses, understanding why their growth and success are vital to all. Understanding why their growth and understanding why their growth and understanding why their growth and success are vital to us all. Today, we are honored to have Dennis Darby, President and CEO of Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters. With a rich background in transforming significant Canadian trade associations and a career spanning in the consumer packaged goods sector at Procter & Gamble, Dennis brings a wealth of experience to the table. His expertise spans research and development, strategic planning, government and regulatory affairs, and external relations with assignments in Canada, the US, and Europe. A seasoned spokesperson and a commentator on business, Dennis has been a pivotal figure in advocating for over 2,500 manufacturers across Canada, driving CME's mission to support business growth. His leadership and insights have been instrumental in his leadership and insights have been instrumental in addressing key industry challenges and shaping policy. Dennis, thank you for joining us on the Canadian SME Small Business Podcast. We are looking forward to an engaging and informative conversation, delving into your experiences, the value findings from CME's recent member survey and the various strategies for future-proofing businesses in the manufacturing sector. Welcome to the show. Very well, thank you. Nice to, nice to speak with you today. Thank you. Uh, Dennis, our first uh, topic today focuses on a pressing issue facing many industries, particularly manufacturing, the labor and skill shortages. Uh, Dennis, your experience and insights are especially valuable in this area. How is CME supporting manufacturers in navigating these challenges and what innovative strategies are being employed? Well, that's a that's a really topical question. Every time we do our member surveys and we survey on a number of different topics, we always ask about uh, you know labor and skills. And really, it's both. It's general labor and it's also skilled labor with the with the skills that people need. So, what have we been doing? Well, obviously, we went we were very very active in helping encourage more immigration, uh, more skilled immigration. We think it's really important that Canada focus on attracting the people it needs with the skills we need uh, for industry. And of course, this goes without saying in the scientific, technical, and mathematical areas, but really skilled trades. So these are the areas that we've been focused on in talking to governments, both federally and provincially. That's one. The second part is we've been part of uh, an effort to try to improve the temporary foreign worker program. Because for a lot of the, the labor jobs over the last year where there's been huge difficulties in getting people to fill shifts, um, 
we want to make sure that that temporary foreign worker program works in two ways. One, uh, as trusted employers, who so we've been very strong advocates in uh, in most provinces, uh, particularly in Ontario, Quebec, where the where the shortage is the greatest, is using a trusted employer program so that we can get uh, companies who say, you know, we, we have we have space for twenty or thirty people in some cases. We need them for six months or eight months. Can we, you know, be part of a program that we're we're guaranteed? So those are the two things we've done at the policy level. Um, you know, practically, we have been encouraging um, uh, changes in our education system, but that's a longer term impact, right? Because change in the education system and the focus uh, in terms of getting more people into the skilled trades, you know, isn't something that's going to happen straight away. Right. Uh, and Dennis, can you share a specific success story or initiatives that has made a significant impact in this area? Well, I think that the, in, uh, in in Quebec, we worked very hard to help uh, because of the need in Quebec, in, increase the percentage uh, of uh, temporary foreign workers who are allowed in any company up to just over over 10%. And that really was a huge help in the short run. Long run, um, it really will be uh, Time will tell whether, in fact, uh, you know, the pressure we've been putting on to try to get more focus on on those skilled trades when we're recruiting uh, uh, outside of Canada. We'll, we'll see. But um, we're very hopeful. And I know there are many issues. There are many issues, in particular in terms of housing, how to make sure we have enough housing. And that's one of the issues that our employers tell us. They said, not only do we need more people with more skills, but we need to make sure that governments are are. Uh, focused on making sure that there's housing that people can afford. It's both. Thank you, Dennis, for shedding light on the innovative approaches CME is taking to tackle these labor and skill shortages. Moving on to a legislative development that's on everyone's mind, the Inflation Reduction Act. Its implications are far-reaching, especially for Canadian manufacturers. With the recent Inflation Reduction Act, what are the potential impacts on Canadian manufacturers and how is CME positioning its member for these changes? So let me first tell you a little about the membership of CME. Manufacturers and exporters across Canada, the vast majority are very small companies. So about 95% of companies across Canada, and most of our membership, are small companies, less, much less than 100 employees. There are some big companies, but, uh, but there are many small companies. And it is really important when you look at something like the Inflation Reduction Act, which is, was designed by the U.S. to bring its supply chains back to, to the U.S., and let me tell you, after just a year or so in place, public data, mm. they've managed to attract over $100 billion in manufacturing investment. So what does that mean for Canada? Well, that means two things. Number one, we have been under-investing for at least 20 years in Canada, so we're not investing enough. And this just exacerbates, makes that worse. Uh, we have pushed governments to put tax credits in place that, that parallel um, the Inflation Reduction Act. So we were part of this last budget in, in Canada to get three or four programs introduced or at least announced that allow companies access to, you know, to de-risk their capital that they need to compete. Because obviously uh, Canada on its own cannot stand up to the US in terms of the Inflation Reduction Act and the billions of dollars, but we can find ways to help companies that are here now maintain their production or to increase their production, but we're going to have to uh, invest heavily. And we've been pushing very hard that not only do we need to, to help the big companies, and you've seen governments, I'm sure, SK, you've seen governments put a lot of money into things like battery uh, production plants and, and battery right. supply chain, but we also need to make sure all those tens of thousands of small companies have access 
to uh, tax credits and supports so they too can be part of that, that success story. So that's really been a lot of the work we've done. And we've been active in the U.S. as well, trying to find, uh, for example, at the beginning of this Inflation Reduction Act, you might recall that the U.S. was going to restrict where the cars where cars were going to be made. And right. we pushed very hard with the embassy and, and both Canadian and U.S. embassies <laughs> to make sure that Canada was included inside that. But the part that really is valuable, which are those production and investment tax credits, you know, have made it very difficult for Canadian manufacturers. So we obviously have our a lot of work. And I think, you know, from a manufacturer's point of view, you know, look for, you know, you know, part of our job at CME is to help you find those opportunities, but we will push governments. So, for example, we were very successful in Ontario and in and, and Newfoundland, for example, in getting um, manufacturing tax credits in the um, into the uh, their budgets mm. at a provincial level. But we have to do so much more. So I, I think this is I would say this is still a work in progress, right. partly partly because the federal government still hasn't really articulated the final rules so the final legislation for the for its response so yeah. until that time we're kind of in this um you know companies you know they're getting pressure from their supply chains but at the same time we don't have enough specificity from the canadian uh, rules there is are there any proactive measures that manufacturers should consider in light of this act well i think for first of all they they need to uh, I think they need to, first of all, we'd, we'd encourage them to come and talk to us where, where we can help direct them to where there are opportunities. I think we can also suggest, you know, the, all of them that, you know, to look, you know, to look within your operations. One of the, one of the, one of the, uh, the uh, outcomes of the Inflation Reduction Act is to really cause manufacturers to say, okay, am I competitive in my current situation? Can I compete with, in terms of my, my productivity, in terms of my, my output, my costs? And the Inflation Reduction Act puts this sort of tilts the North American table in the, in the face of the U.S. And so I know it may sound only you know, insufficient, but it's certainly not um, unimportant to really look at your own operations, to look at you know to to look for opportunities. We can help with technology assessments to help um, help companies do lean training, all the things you need to do to try to make yourself as efficient as possible, so that when we do get these investment tax credits in place where you you as a manufacturer are in the best position because we learned um through some of our our, our uh, surveys you know somewhere in the range of uh you know and I won't be I won't be off by much um you know many um about 20 to 25% of, of of small companies don't have access to capital big companies are fine or tend to have a much lower problem and that's so a reality, have, right? Yeah. It, it is a reality. So you need to do everything you can to make yourself be as efficient as possible. But we can help in trying to find those programs. Right. And that's insightful overview of the Inflation Reduction Act's impact and CMS strategy. It's clear that adaption is key in these challenging times. Uh, let's delve into the valuable insights uh, from CME's recent member survey. Understanding these findings is crucial for shaping uh, future strategies. Uh, the members uh, survey released by CME provides critical insights. Uh, what are some key takeaways from the survey that are shaping CME's current focus? Well, uh, it's funny you should mention that because that's exactly, you know, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. And then this is really related to the low carbon transition. When we ask manufacturers across Canada, um, you know, for small employers, around 10 to 11 percent 
have a plan on how they are going to deal with the net zero you know, uh, requirements that are coming. Uh, about half of large manufacturers. So we really have to get man um, these manufacturers um, to have be part of a strategy. So what we've been pushing the government to do in our in our recently announced Manufacturing Canada's Future, which we announced it in Ottawa at our, our annual conference about three weeks ago, uh, and that we've also gone and talked to the Ontario government, the Alberta government, the Saskatchewan government, pretty soon with the Quebec government, and then the and then I'll be out in the in the Atlantic Canada in the early part of next year. But talk about do, making sure that we put systems in place, we put programs in place to help both education, awareness, assessments, and funding. Because you really have to think for a second, you know, I'm running a small business. I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm running a small manufacturing shop. And I'm also not worried just about, you know, these uh, the big incentives from the US, but also Canada has articulated its own net zero strategy. And what was really clear from our survey is that they are not prepared right now, nor do they know where to get the information. And I think it's really important for uh, you know organization like yours, as we're, we look at small and medium-sized enterprises, it's really important that, you know, given we know that they tend to not to have the internal capacity. You know, a large company may have a whole department looking at how do I decarbonize? How do I lower my my GHG footprint? How do I improve my energy efficiency? But a small company, the president is also the operations head, is also the HR manager. So that's one area where we think we can help. Uh, but we've been uh, pushing governments to make sure that, that as they articulate these very broad strategies, that in fact, there is a way for small companies. Yeah. Just recently in the Ontario uh, Fall Economic Statement, they talked about the EPS system, which is really a way to make sure that the carbon taxes collected in Ontario can get reclaimed by companies if they make investments. That's a small that's an initiative that we we undertook because we said, well, what what could we do in the short run to help small companies able to, you know, really participate? Well, one way would be, okay, as they pay their carbon taxes on their fuel usage, they have an opportunity to reclaim that in exchange for investment in uh, GHG lowering technologies. So I think that's what we're going to be pushing governments to put in anywhere and also continue to push the federal government to make sure that it, it doesn't forget the vast majority of manufacturers who are not, you know, these large global companies. Right. And uh, that'd be like, how do these findings translate into actionable strategies for Canadian manufacturers? Hmm. Well, like I said, we really articulated, every, you know, from our surveys, the, the really four pillars that are in our our manufacturing Canada's future. One, you know, obviously we've talked about labor and skills, making sure that we, we, we are attracting, we're training, we're retraining, we're putting supports in place for companies to be able to, you know, to upskill their workers, but also find those people with uh, skilled. We have to make sure that we're supporting investment. We know the Inflation Reduction Act is important. Let's see, let's make sure that we are, you know, we are doing what we can in parallel to help Canadian companies compete. Uh, the the net zero strategy, you know, we've talked about that, you know, at, at some length. I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, very very hopeful that that will, you know, that there will be some advance there. And of course, the other one is, and this is one that might, you know, be interest to some, is really helping use our systems to make manufacturers grow. For example, infrastructure, we really have to spend, um, we we in our strategy to spend time and money on our transportation infrastructure, our ports, our rail, you know. Uh, when the Seaway strike happened a, a short time ago in southern Ontario, it started to back up the whole production system. So making sure that we have a resilient 
you know, transportation system. And also one area that probably bears discussion, and we put this in our strategy as well, is making the government be a supporter of industry. One of the things that has made uh, America very, very strong is the fact that the government, you know, does put preferential purchasing from American suppliers. They call it Buy America or Buy American. In right, right, right. Um, Canada, you know, and, and the U.S., you know, for its own reasons, decided it, it really doesn't care what you know the World Trade Organization thinks, or they they argue that it doesn't really contravene. Well, Canada, you know, there are there is room for Canada to do that. So we're encouraging provincial governments. At, you know, hey, when you have, you know, make sure that part of your job is to help encourage supporters. If you're a small company that that has any hope of competing on a large procurement project somewhere else, wouldn't it be great if you get a chance in your own province? You know, and uh, so that's something that we're pushing as well. So those four pillars around encouraging that, you know, that that exports, which is using government for good, a net zero strategy. Right. Making sure we're supporting investment and make sure we continue to train and skill the people we need. Right. Your analysis of service finding and their translation into actionable strategies offer a clear roadmap for Canadian uh, manufacturers. Now, let's uh, discuss the pivotal accept of, uh, you know, CME's work advocacy in related uh, in relation to the federal and Ontario budgets. This is where policy meets practice. In terms of federal and Ontario budgets, how is CME advocating for its membership and what are the priority areas in these discussions? Well, thank you for asking. Well, first of all, the, the one thing that you know your, your readers or watchers need to know, of course, we we present, we we make submissions to all the budgets at ever in every province, but certainly Ontario and federally. We just recently did our presentation at one of the uh, one of the hearings for the uh, Ontario budget, and we'll do the same federally. Um, we have articulated our four pillar strategy, and we have shared that with. Uh, we had at our conference, we were we were able to uh, had the trade minister. We had Mar uh, trade minister Mary Ng there. We were also able to have um, you know, other other officials from uh, from the from the government in Ontario. We just had our our Queen's Park uh, reception and and meeting day, and we met with a number of ministers in Ontario. So I think it's really important uh, for manu for the industry to continue to 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 basically work together. The whole point uh, of this is to make sure. That we that manufacturers can grow, that we can become more productive, and, and we think our four pillar strategy, which we're using both federally and provincially as they get ready for their budgets, is how we're you know leading that advocacy. And it's a very it's a it's a pretty uh, straightforward approach. Meet with the MPs, meet with the officials, explain how we think you know Canada can achieve better growth. Because like I said, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of hard times in the last few years. You know, between COVID and supply chain disruptions, and then the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, it's really important that uh, that Canadian governments understand the value that manufacturing has to to our collective prosperity. You know, at eleven percent or so of the GDP, and one of the biggest employ employing sectors in Canada, just under one point eight million people, manufacturing really does matter. And so, I think the way we talk to governments is. You know, this we're doing that. You know, our our job as CME is to advocate for the members, but advocate for the sector because we want them all to grow. Uh, this is really important. A fact that not everyone knows: Canada is much more dependent on international trade than many company countries. That's the reality, right? It's the reality of a right. because what we have is a, a we have we are blessed with huge amount of natural resources and a lot of space. But we don't have a very big market. Our Canadian market, at, even at 40 million, is is a relatively small market. 
And so it is really important if you're going to have the economies of scale or you're going to succeed that you have to be able to export. Well, to export, you must be using modern equipment. You must be having you must need have the people with the skills. And we have to make sure government is is setting the table in, in terms of its regulations, in terms of the infrastructure to make it possible for, for them to succeed. Uh, thank you for highlighting CME's advocacy efforts and successes, a testament to the organization's commitment to its members. Uh, uh, be like labor disruptions pose significant challenges to the economy. Uh, let's explore CME's approach to this uh, critical issue. What is CME's approach to mitigate these effects and what role does policy play in this? Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, so where we've seen labor disruption tends to be at our ports and, and our rail systems and, and at uh, and our seaway. And, and one of the things that we've advocated for uh, consistently uh, is that we... You know, you know, it, you know, if it's not possible to make these what you and I would call essential service, like like the police and the fire service, but if if it's not, then at least uh, we've encouraged the government, the labor minister, the transportation minister, to to put a different uh, labor uh, disruption a resolution mechanism. So it, it shouldn't always be a strike because the problem for Canada is when we have labor disruptions in those supply chains, it affects our ability to trade, it affects our, our GDP. You know, when the Vancouver uh, port went on strike uh, for an extended period of time, and they had, a, it was a very long, you know, uh, labor dispute, and, and thank goodness that it was ultimately resolved with a lot of pressure from, from governments. But that actually had a measurable effect on our GDP for the, for the two months. And that's probably something that most Canadians don't think about, that we are so transportation dependent well of course we are we're such a we're big a big wide country and we're trying to ship east and west and also north south and so anytime there's a disruption to that system especially because and and that's probably important for for uh, your listeners because canada had made, has made the decision years ago to be part of this north american free trade agreement right it's assumed manufacturers on both sides of the border don't consider very often, they don't even consider transportation as an issue. They consider the idea is that, okay, we're in this North American market, we can sell to each other, we can transfer goods and materials, sometimes people. And so nobody really thinks about the transportation system or the, the you know, unless it doesn't work. And that's when it, we get in trouble. Right. Uh, like how can manufacturers be uh, prepared or adapt to minimize the impact of such disruptions? Well, the way that normally companies would do is if, if it looks like there's going to be a disruption, you know, what we saw in, in the previous cases is, you know, companies would try to run up some more, you know, keep some more inventory in place where they could. Everybody, one of the things that came out of the global pandemic, and I think it's really something that we ought to keep in front of us, is many companies started to look at their supply chains and try to find uh, redundancies. Do, do I have an alternate supplier? I mean, that's very much, I must say, that's probably part of the reason that the U.S. went so um, so hard on the Inflation uh, Reduction Act, because what America had realized is that when it, under the pandemic and all the disruptions that happened around then, they realized that they were very vulnerable, right? Because the, the distance between their supplier and their manufacturing plant was thousands of miles, often overseas. So what, they, what they've been trying to do is bring production closer to home. That's where Canada, if we play our cards right, we can be that good supplier, right? But we also need our transportation system to be open all the time. 
Now your insights into managing and preparing for labor disruptions, uh, labor disruptions are invaluable for manufacturers looking to minimize their impact. As we look to, uh, towards the future, understanding the evolving landscape of manufacturing is essential. Let's uh, discuss the challenges and preparations for what lies ahead. Uh, as the manufacturing landscape evolves, what future challenges do you foresee and how is CME preparing to support its members in these scenarios? Well, there are a couple of things. One of the things that I think we have to we have to you know talk about, and I mentioned it earlier, is our is our net zero. How we're going to deal with our net zero requirements in Canada, and that's going to require effort at from the smallest manufacturer to the biggest multinational. We need to make sure that we are taking advantage of the technologies. So the technologies to for carbon capture, the technologies for for uh, 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 other kinds of abatement. You know, we, governments have put big money into big investments into things like green steel and green uh, cement trying to you know in, in improve um you know the the carbon footprint of some of these fundamental uh materials that the manufacturers use to build machines to build cars to build aerospace but one of the things we have to keep in mind is especially here in ontario one thing we have going for us that will be really important is because we have a very green electricity grid so one of the issues that we've talked to governments about is you need to increase that grid. That grid today, if you imagine today, you and I are sitting here, you know, at the end of 2023, and right. uh, the electricity system works, but right. not many companies are you know, have converted their power systems. Most of us are still driving, um, you know, gasoline power cars. As the pressure on that grid increases, we need to find a way to improve that. We have we've encouraged governments to really make sure they're investing in the system this resiliency and sustainability of the grid, because that will be part of our competitive advantage. You can imagine in the future, you know, that it's gonna be, when we when we sit and say, look at where where should we source our materials? Right. Ontario and Quebec and, and many other parts of Canada have a very clean grid. Let's right. take that as an advantage. So that's one of the things that we really are are focused on. Right. Uh, before we wrap up, Ravi, um, uh, like, you know, what is one piece of advice you would uh, uh, give to manufacturers to future proof their businesses? I, I think I think now is the time uh, to uh, and, and I don't this is not to be self-serving. You know, talk to see me, come to see me and say, we'll tell you, you know, everything from technology assessments to helping you find those those supports to labor, you know, to, you know, working on, on how to get, you know, how to get and attract labor, how to get more women into your workforce, which is one of the areas of getting more people in it. We need more women in our workforce. Um, working on, uh, some, you know, maybe joining a committee and, and, or a peer council and learning about what best practices your peers have had. This is a time for manufacturers not to sit at, you know, by themselves and worry. There, there are lots of resources. So we're not the only place, but CME, we're a not-for-profit. Our whole job is to help manufacturers grow. So I'd re recommend, you know, talk to CME, reach out, um, and we can help you look for those opportunities to look at new technologies, to look at new techniques, to help improve your efficiency, um, and also connect you to, to government officials as well, because we certainly want manufacturers here in Ontario and across Canada to succeed. Um, and so I think uh, this is this is not a time you know, to, you know, to, 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 you know, everyone's kind of concerned, but I think there's lots of opportunity ahead and uh, hopefully discussions like this, we can get some people to realize that there are resources to help.
Right. Uh, your advice on future-proofing businesses in the manufacturing sector is both timely and pragmatic. It underscores the importance of foresight and adaptability. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Rabi, for joining us today. It was a great pleasure hosting you. And uh, also, like uh, one one last thing, like uh, how can our uh, listeners, like who are manufacturers, they would like to learn more about uh, CME? Like, uh, uh, what is the next step for them? Yeah, please uh, go to, go to our website cme-mec.ca. Um, you know, I'm happy to have you share my my contact information uh, uh, through our office. Really look forward to uh, to our next conversation for sure. As we wrap up our conversation with Dennis Darby, we are reminded of an important lesson. In fast-changing world of manufacturing, being adaptable and actively involved in advocacy is key. Our talk with Dennis today has shown how important it is for businesses, especially those in manufacturing, to keep up with labor trends changes in policy and shifts in the economy. Dennis' thoughts have really shown the importance of planning ahead and working together to meet the challenges in our industry. We want to thank Dennis for giving us his valuable insights. We also want to thank our partners RBC, UPS and Zero. Your ongoing support is crucial in bringing these important discussions to our community and helping us grow stronger together. To our loyal listeners, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to Canadian SME Small Business Magazine at canadiansme.ca for more motivational stories, expert advice, and the latest updates that keep the spirit of Canadian entrepreneurship alive. Stay tuned to the Small Business Podcast where we will keep exploring the essential aspects of the SME world. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadian SME Small Business Podcast. Your support fuels our passion for empowering Canadian businesses. Don't miss out on our next episode, filled with fresh perspectives and actionable strategies. Subscribe at canadiansme.ca and be part of a community that's shaping the future of Canadian business. Until next time, keep innovating, growing, and making a difference 